Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. It is our first show of 2021. I'm Simon Head from Rochester in the UK. And over there in Toronto, Canada, it's Mr. Chamat Sandu. How are you, buddy? How was New Year? It was good, mate. Happy New Year to you and a happy New Year to all of our listeners. Obviously, with COVID and lockdown, same situation over here in Toronto. Can't go out, can't do anything. So it was indoors with the family, lots of booze, lots of food and watching uh, the festivities roll on on TV, seeing all the fireworks. I tell you what, I, d- I did enjoy seeing the fireworks in London. That kind of made me reminisce a little bit uh, about missing home and, and all the rest of it. But, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, good to start the new year. Mentality is positivity. Uh, seeing the glass half full rather than half empty. And I'm very excited about this year and this particular show because we've got a lot of fun things in store for everybody. It's going to be it's going to be good fun in 2021, although we're recording this literally an hour and a half after the UK was plunged into its third COVID lockdown. Uh, our, our, our great leader, I'll put great in inverted commas, uh, Boris Johnson has uh, put us into our third lockdown. And uh, so uh, I'm not going anywhere for a while. I'm going to be stuck indoors. Um, so we've got the kids are going to be at home constantly so it's going to be lovely you never know you might get the odd un- unscheduled appearance from one of them at some point during a, a future show which uh hopefully we don't get because the door behind me it's like that bb do you remember that bbc video is that famous do, bbc yes. video <laughs> i'm waiting for that moment to happen to me but it hasn't yet it will happen i'm pretty sure in 2021 but as you said sandy we've got lots of fun stuff uh in the pipeline for this year starting with this week um we did the um, end of year special last week, and uh, we've got something a little bit different this week as well. It is very uh, carefully named the Brit Pack's Nando's inspired 2021 Hot Takes Special, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're going to give you some uh, some MMA hot takes graded against the only way you could possibly grade anything in terms of heat. It is, of course, the legendary Nando's periometer. So what the pair of us will do. We will start at the bottom of the rung with the mild or the lemon and herb, as uh, some of you may be more familiar with, but uh, it's now known as mild. And uh, we'll offer you a mild take each, and we'll work our way up the scale until we get to the proper batshit crazy stuff when we get to extra hot. Now, this is all very much with a little bit of tongue in cheek. Um, So uh, if these things prove to not be true, don't come haranguing us on social media for our poor prediction skills. This is... This is meant to be a little bit of fun, but obviously, if it happens, you heard it here first on the Brit Pack. Oh, we want full credit for all of these hot takes. If, any <laughs> if it of goes right, yeah. Fruition. If it goes wrong, I don't want to hear anything of it. This is all just a little bit of a laugh. But if it goes right, yeah, absolutely. Then we demand, we demand full, full documented credit for uh, for our for our um our prognostication skills. Right, Sandu, let's just roll straight into this. This could be a lot of fun because I have literally no idea what you've got down there. And, and I've, you've got no idea what I've got written down here. So we may have we may have some crossover, but who knows? But we'll kick things off with the the mild category. The uh you know for the people who aren't too keen on going in and having a bit of spice, what is your your mildest take ahead of 2021? My mild take for 2021 is that Conor McGregor will fight three times this year. He was hell-bent heading into 2020 on having his season. And he kicked off the year with a, with a fantastic 40-second 
finish over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And had COVID not been a factor and an issue, I think we would have seen him fight three times. Fast forward 12 months, and he's kicking off the year literally in a couple of weeks with a fight in January. So why this is mild, he's going to get his first fight in in January, which means to get in two more fights within the space of 11 months seems very realistic and reasonable. He is one of the biggest stars. He is the biggest star in the sport right now. And I feel very confident that we're going to get three fights. Now, will he win all three? Will he Will he not? That remains to be seen. But even if the path doesn't lead to a UFC lightweight championship, there are still a plethora of other big marquee matchups and possibilities for him if it doesn't involve the UFC lightweight championship. So my mild take, Simon, Conor McGregor will fight three times in 2021. So how are we going to do this? Do you want do you want a bit of an assessment on this uh, before we move on to my crackpot theory? Because I've got to be honest, I think I think that's a solid pick. I think that's a solid pick. I think, given the fact that he he was really up for having a big year last year, and through no fault of his own and no fault of the UFCs, that was all just taken away from him. You know, he had that great start to the year against Cowboy Cerrone, and it felt like that twenty twenty was going to be a really big almost like a comeback year for Conor McGregor. You know, we might have been sitting sitting down at last week's show talking about Conor McGregor as like the comeback fighter of the year. If things had gone on and he'd had the three fights and maybe got himself a championship uh, towards the end of it. But yeah, I think, I think that's a solid pick. I think, uh, and I think the, I think the UFC will be, will be moving heaven and high water to, to, to make that a reality as well. Um, the only issue I think is going to be, giving him the sort of matchups that he wants and uh, what he actually does want to get out of this year. Um, if Khabib is available, obviously he's going to want that. But if Khabib is not available, what does Conor McGregor want beyond that fight? So all that will uh, will become apparent, I would imagine, over the course of probably the next few weeks. Because what do you say? He's, he's in action later this month on UFC Fight Island. That's a big one. My mild take is kind of linked it's about Khabib. My mild take is that Khabib Nurmagomedov will not fight in 2021. That's my mild take. I don't think we're going to see Khabib fight in 2021. Um, for me, the only fight that I think he would come back for is the GSP fight. I don't think there's anything that the UFC can offer him from a competitive standpoint that really interests him enough beyond GSP to get him back into the cage. And he's he's got he's got enough money that he doesn't ever have to worry and he doesn't strike me as the sort of guy who can be swayed by a dollar bill so with that and given the way that he bowed out i don't think that he was ever really thinking of coming back um i think everybody was getting excited about the meeting with dana white and talking to dana white that from Dana's perspective, that's about getting Khabib back in the cage. For Khabib's point of view, it's about getting his new fighting promotion. that used to be called Guerrilla Fighting Championships, called Eagle Fighting Championships now, um, onto UFC Fight Pass. So, so my take: he won't fight in 2021. The UFC will offer him the biggest payday of his life to come back and face McGregor if he beats Poirier. Khabib's going to say thanks, but no thanks. Head into retirement and uh, run his promotion, which will be a big hit on UFC Fight Pass. That's my that's my mild take to kick things off. Great one, Simon. And I'm in completely agreement with where that sits in the old Nando spiceometer because everything Khabib's done up until now hasn't really given us any indication that he is going to fight again. He's obviously clearly you know, invested in his team. 
his uh, his squad, his promotion, even as far as literally what a week ago, saying that the winner of Poirier McGregor should be fighting for the UFC lightweight championship next, which kind of got a little bit misconstrued uh, in translation. But he's already kind of put it out there that hey, he didn't go out and say I'm going to fight the winner of, the, of that fight or the winner of Poirier McGregor should be fighting me next for the title. For the title, he just put it out there. The the winner of that fight should go on to fight for the UFC lightweight championship. So, yeah, mild take, agreement with that one. My medium take, so we're getting a little bit juicier, a little bit, you know, started to kind of tickle the taste buds a little bit. John Jones is going to end 2021 as the UFC heavyweight champion. John Jones is undefeated. And listen, forget what that record says, you know, the, the the loss to 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 Mahamal, no sorry that's just she should be marketed and promoted as an undefeated fighter him going up to heavyweight is something that we've all been waiting and wanting for such a long time to see and and it looks like it's going to come through to fruition in short order and it looks like the way things are kind of you know the roadmap is being laid out at the moment is the UFC are going to do Stipe Francis next that's what Dana White has gone out and said. And then eventually the winner will go on to fight John Jones at some point later in the year. That's going to give John Jones time to bulk up. But even if he doesn't add an extraordinary amount of weight, I actually feel like his ring generalship, his fight IQ, and the fact that he would be perhaps for the the you know in comparison to the rest of the heavyweight roster, the lighter, quicker, faster guy will actually play in his favor. I feel like a lot of the light heavyweights started to compete with him because I don't feel like his speed and, and quickness was there compared to some of the other fights he had with the likes of a Rampage Jackson, Rashad Evans, a Lyoto Machida, Shogun Hua, and guys like that. So there it is, Simon. My medium take for 2021 is John Jones is going to end the year UFC heavyweight king. I won't give my immediate reaction to that because, and in all honesty, uh, dear listeners, um, we have not consulted on this at all. But my medium take is related to your medium take, but it's, as you would probably guess, a little bit different. Let me let me unpack this for you because there's a little bit to unpack here. Right. Okay. Israel Adesanya dethrones Jan Blachowicz to win the UFC light heavyweight title, prompting John Jones to put a hold on his plans to move up to heavyweight and instead take on Israel Adesanya for his old belt in a huge clash this summer. Now, That'll be in an arena on Fight Island. They've got this new Etihad arena, which I think is like 21,000 or 18,000 seats. I believe that is going to be potentially up and running at some point this year. And it's available this summer. And if fans are allowed in, we could see some sort of international fight week style arrangement over there. Um, That's the sort of fight that you could really, really make for an event like that. Now, with John Jones sticking at 205, Stipe Miocic decides, you know what, there isn't really anything here to excite me anymore, announces his retirement from mixed martial arts, leaving Francis Ngannou to capture the UFC heavyweight title with his third brutal knockout of Curtis Blades, who is the next available top contender, who then departs for Bellator. So There's, there's, there's layers to this. <laughs> and uh, Ngannou then goes on, defends his belt twice before the end of 21, to set up a blockbuster clash in 2022 with John Bones Jones. That is my medium take, and there are lots of layers. 
you know how I take that one, Simon? That's where, you know, you pour your, your medium sauce over your Nando's chicken. And then you realized, oh, hang on a second. I've just poured hot or extra hot all over my chicken. <laughs> that's how I take your take there. I feel like that's a medium take from you, but I feel like I've just poured hot or extra hot all over my meal. But I love it. <laughs> there's a lot going on in there. And obviously there's all manner of things that probably won't happen because my, my prediction skills are iffy at best. But I could, that that is a that is a series of events that are in 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 my mind's eye I can see I can see panning out, and that's why it's only a medium take. I don't think that's that that outlandish. I've got worse to come. Don't you worry about that. Give us okay. your hot take, Sandu. We need to we need to we need to crank up the uh, crank All up right. the spiceometer and turn these lukewarm takes into something with a bit more heat to them. Okay, so what is the one thing we really haven't seen since? the 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 pandemic era covid-19 impacting sports but more specifically mma it's events packed with fans absolutely chock full of fight fans now we know that's about to change with the new arena in fight island and there's going to be some fans there and i'm sure they'll they'll go through their relative protocols and testing and all the rest of it my hot take for 2021 so we've had mild we've had medium this is my hot take for 2021 the ufc is going to hold a stadium event at some point this year more likely i think at the back end of 2021 but i feel like they've had stadium shows pretty much every year for the last decade or so it's always fun because it's, it's a showcase uh, piece for the UFC to, to set out a stadium. And I feel like the Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas would make the most sense. And I'm not, this is where my kind of take gets hot. I'm not talking partially full. I'm not talking lower bowl, any of that stuff. I'm talking completely packed, full on stadium show with fans. I feel like they've got a bunch of stars that were barely used in 2020. Jorge Mazdaos, Conor McGregor's, you've got some super fights with Israel Adesanya and John Jones. There's all the potential in the world to put together a super card that can sell out a stadium. And I feel like Dana White and the UFC are so motivated to showing off, not just to the rest of the sports world, but to the, to the entertainment world at large, that, hey, we not only led the way in 2020 by getting sports back on track, we're going to now take it the, the next step further by showing you that we can put on a stadium show safely and with the rollout of the vaccine i think as the year progresses there'll be enough fans available to to travel get to vegas and then there's definitely the potential for the ufc to put on a, a card and an event that's worthy of being held in a stadium so there's my hot take simon a stadium show by the ufc well there you go my my john jones francis and garnu heavyweight title fight maybe could be on that card if it's late in the year we could, we could we could fulfill all my medium criteria and then run straight into your hot, your your hot take and uh, we could come out of this looking like we actually know what we're talking about which would be which would be nice but yeah I like the sound of it I don't I I don't know if it's a hot take or an optimistic take because I don't know I mean maybe it's because I've just literally sat down in my living room and been told we're not going anywhere until end of February at best right. Um, I don't know whether we're going to get stadiums by then. I'd love to think we could. I'd love to think we could. I certainly don't think we're going to see anything this side of September. It really depends on how the vaccine rollout goes everywhere and how how you police all of that sort of stuff and in terms of 
who you let in and how you how you actually manage that. But I'd love to see it. I would love to see things get back to normal. I'd love to see fans back, even if it's a fifty percent capacity. You know, I I think I think that would be or twenty percent capacity. It would just be great to have fans in the building again. I mean, it's been the whole intimate setting of watching fights in the Apex in particular has been great, and you get that that extra layer of um, sensory input really hearing hearing the strikes land, and it's been it's been a great experience, but. At the end of the day, this is this is this is a sport for the fans. It's prize fighting. It's for the fans. I can't wait for the day when we get to see get to see fans back in the uh, in the arenas and in stadiums again. Um, but yeah, we need it to be safe, don't we? So that would be that would be a fantastic thing. That would be a fantastic thing. My hot take is very different. Um, after not landing the rematch that he desperately wanted against Douglas Lima Sandu, who was instead told to fight Yaroslav Amosov, the unbeaten Ukrainian. Britain's own Michael Venom Page, who I believe, if he's not right at the end of his Bellator contract, he's pretty close to it, turns down a new deal with Bellator and signs with the PFL. He goes into their welterweight division, smokes the field and becomes their welterweight champion and banks a cool $1 million in the process. What he also does is he runs out his PFL one-year contract. And at the end of that, he signs for the UFC. That's my hot take. Mr. MVP, through the PFL, to the UFC. Any other three-letter acronyms you want to chuck in there, be my guest. Well, I like that this is a hot take. And I can provide some insight here, as I did once upon a time work for the PFL. Now... That would be a great fairy tale story for Michael Venom Page in 2020. Sign for the PFL, get exposure on ESPN in America, win the win the league, win the tournament, get a million dollars, and then you're a free agent once again, and you can have your you know the pick of the litter, as they say. The only issue with all of this is there is one management firm, there is one management agency in our business that up until now has not worked with the PFL. There is one firm, an agency, that doesn't have a single fighter amongst the PFL roster, and that is Paradigm Sports Management. Read into that what you will, but Michael Venom Page is a paradigm fighter. So for that to happen, it would actually create a bit of history there. They work with a lot of other agencies. They work with, obviously, Dominance MMA. They work with First Round Management, and the list goes on and on. But Paradigm and PFL have yet to work together on anything. So for that to happen would be quite interesting. I didn't know that. That's that's a very interesting piece of information. Yeah. Is that I wonder is that fluke or is that is that just are there other things afoot that I don't know? But I think I think from a storyline perspective, I think that would be very interesting. MMA politics is what I'll say. Let's leave it there. Um, right. So that was your hot take. Love it. And so so now this is my extra hot take this is i mean i can't really handle too much spice even though i've got Indian i've watched DNA. you at nando's you, you you start steaming from the head mate yeah steaming with medium if i get to extra hot and very hot and you know all that kind of stuff i'm in trouble but i'm glad that your mild take simon was that khabib Nurmagomedov would not fight in 2021 because it makes my extra hot take all the much more sense my extra hot take is that Khabib Nurmagomedov will come back for one more fight. I'm not sure who that will be, but I feel like, and this is again, this is why it's an extra hot take. 
The only thing you can say about Khabib's retirement is he hasn't relinquished the UFC champ- lightweight championship. The UFC have not moved forward by kind of saying anything about, yeah, we've stripped him or he's relinquished it and we're going to move on. Because enough time has essentially passed now since his fight um, with, with Justin Gaethje. Um, so, you know, what is the kind of hold up here in terms of moving forward? The other thing is, is Dana White is a very adamant guy. You know, he's still yet to have this conversation in person with Khabib. There is, there is always that lure of, you know, his father's dream was always to reach 30-0. Him and his father always wanted that George St. Pierre fight. So I feel like as, as much as I agree with you, I think it's done. Khabib isn't going to fight again. If I'm going to give you the most extra hot take I can for 2021, the thing that I feel like is the, arguably the most impossible thing that could happen, yet would just completely you know, get every MMA media outlets, you know, traffic through the roof is the comeback of arguably one of the greatest of all time in Khabib Nurmagomedov. So there you go, Simon. Khabib Nurmagomedov coming back. I'm not going to say who. Could it be Connor? Could it be GSP? Could it be someone else? I'm not sure. But my extra hot take is he'll come back for one more in the next 12 months. It's it's in it's one of those where you could... It's, it's an extra hot take, but you can kind of see it, can't you? At the same time, it's not... It's not beyond the realm of possibility. I, I, I'm, I'm. T- I tend to be quite sort of straight shooting with my in terms of my predictions. I tend not to think that too much crazy stuff will happen. Um, but this is MMA. All bets are off. Anything can. You know, Dana White has shown that when the UFC puts their mind to it, there's not much that they can't accomplish. Right? I mean, you only have to look back at at 2020 and what they managed to achieve in just putting on events. Um, at the scale that they have. So you can't count him out at all. Um, I just don't know. I just don't, what I would kind of like to see, and this is no disrespect at all to, to uh, Dustin Poirier in many ways, what would be the most blockbuster way to do this would be if Conor McGregor would, were to beat Dustin Poirier and be crowned the UFC lightweight champion. And then, Maybe have another defense or so in in the summer, and then Khabib to just sort of kick back and keep his powder dry, and then say, "Do you know what? I don't like seeing this guy's champion. I'm going to come back for one more in December, and then you've got the epic rematch. You've got Khabib trying to trying to take the belt back from Connor. I think having that dynamic with the roles reversed, I think would be would be fascinating to see. But um, I think it's I think it's plausible." I think it's plausible. It's, I think it's 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 more it's more likely that he'll stay away. But if he comes back, then wow, we're going to do some serious some serious business on this podcast as well. It's going to be a lot to talk about. My extra hot take is very different, actually. Um, and uh, there's no way of sort of like leading in with this. This is pretty straight. It's pretty straightforward. Former UFC middleweight and light heavyweight contender Brian Stan returns to the UFC as their newly appointed Executive Vice President of Promotional Operations. And he shares press conference and media-facing duties with Dana White, probably from like the second half of 2021, right? So it means that Dana doesn't have to be quite so front-facing. Let's stand do stuff. They might even split duties, Dana looking after Fight Island and uh, Stan looking after Vegas. Who knows, right? But then at the end of the year, 
after a huge year, possibly a record-breaking year in 2021, Dana White announces his decision to take a two-year sabbatical. So he's not quitting because he said he, he could never quit the job, but he fancies a couple of years off. He takes a two-year sabbatical with Stan taking over as the interim UFC president. That is my extra hot take. Well, i tell you what, I love it because I think anyone that's been involved with the sport a long time knows what a knowledgeable, fantastic personality Brian Stan has. You know, he, he held his, you know, he held himself both inside and outside of the cage with the utmost respect and dignity. And if you want someone that's perhaps a bit of a polar opposite to Dana White, Brian Stan is your man. Uh, it's funny. One of the things that I, you know, used to share in some internal meetings at the PFL uh, was, hey, we should try and get someone like Brian Stan involved with us. You know, at the time, you know, it was like, hey, you know, maybe 10 events per year, getting him on board as one of our commentators wouldn't be so much for him in terms of impacting his day to day, but he's still involved in the sport in some capacity. I would love to see Brian Stan just involved in any capacity, whether it's with a promotion, with a broadcast partner, um, be back in the sport. I do miss him. I think he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, one one of the... uh, one of the one of the one of the top guys that you that you'd ever come across in this sport. So yeah, if that's an extra hot take, I love it, and I would love to see it one day. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we kind of touched on it a couple of shows ago where we talked about maybe Daniel Cormier stepping in and and being that kind of role in the future. And I think Cormier has has, has come out and spoken about that possibility since, and has said um, he would never want to do that. <laughs> he said he would never. Want... Now, whether that's just him being kind, but not wanting to. Uh, you know, you never want to turn around and tell someone that you want their job. Um, but um, I think he would be interesting. But the thing that Stan brings is just ultimate professionalism. Like the guy reeks of credibility. You know, you, you just, I know it was it was kind of a running joke. Whenever he was on the broadcast, John Anik called him the greatest living American. And uh, it, it's also been kind of a running narrative that people would say people would say this man needs to run for office. You know, he's he's got that sort of gravitas about him. And I think Dana White is is a unique a unique character. And if anybody ever, if the UFC ever tried to replace Dana White with somebody trying to be Dana White Mark II, it would fail spectacularly. You know, yeah, I, I mean, agree. if you wanted somebody who would shoot from shoot, shoot from the hip and be outspoken and all the rest of it. I don't know. I don't think that would work. I don't think that will work. I mean, you think people like Chow Sonnen and people like that, he's a salesman, but I don't think, I don't think he would sit right in, in that sort of position. You know, he might be really good at it, but I think, I think going a different direction and having someone like Stan, who is just solid, you know, he's as solid as they come. I think he would be an outstanding face for the brand, for the UFC um in, in, in years to come. That's not to say Dana's gonna disappear anytime soon, but based on my extra hot take, maybe he might decide, you know what, I've been doing this for a long time. I've had the arguably the two most busy, stressful years of my career dealing with the UFC through this pandemic. Maybe hopefully by the end of twenty twenty one, you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel were coming out of the pandemic and he might turn around and say, Do you know what? I'm gonna I wanna live my life a little bit for a couple of years um and uh, enjoy the family enjoy the you know the fruits of my labor can't think of anybody better to step in and uh, take the reins 
than uh, Brian Stan. I think he would be outstanding. Yep. So there you have it. Those were our Nando's inspired Perry Perry flavored hot takes for 2021. I guess we'll figure out as the year progresses how many, if any at all, of these come through to fruition. But I love this. Um, we've got to figure out a way, Simon, to to work in Nando's in general on this show moving forward, whether it's you know seasonal hot takes or reactionary stuff. But that was a lot of fun. I need to work Nando's into my daily diet well not daily diet that's, that's slightly too much but um because of where i live like you can get like deliveroo and uh, uber eats and just eat who, who will deliver food to your door there is no nando's close enough to deliver to where i live which is which is just just the worst so like we can get we can get certain bits and pieces all the sort of the, the local takeaway can't get nando's to the house that's what i need i need some i need some nando's to the house what I should do is invest in some of the sources and just make my own. Have some. I can't believe it's not Nando's. Um, that's the way. That would be good. That would be good. But yeah, that's not what. Um, that's that's not everything for this show. I can't even speak. Um, we've got some other predictions for you. We'll be a bit more on the quick fire front with these. Before before we uh, sat down and, and recorded this show, we were looking about how we were going to add some extra extra value to this as well as the the Nando stuff. We thought. Well, why not? Why not sort of nail our colours to the mast and write a list of who we think are going to hold each of the UFC's major titles at the end of 2021? So basically, when we when we turn 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 the calendar over to 2022, who will be holding each of those shiny gold belts um, at the start of the year? So let's just go through them, Sandy. We'll work from flyweight up, shall we? Let's do it. We do we do flyweight, um, and then uh, we'll go through all the men's divisions, and then we'll go through the women's divisions to finish, I guess. Um, yep. But um, hundred and twenty five pound division, it's getting exciting. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that we were talking about maybe the UFC are going to bin these guys off, and um, you know, bizarrely, it took the departure of one of the greatest fighters of all time to breathe life into the division. And here we go. We've got an exciting new champion at the helm. Is he still at the helm, Davison Figueredo, at the end of 2021? He is in my book, Simon. I feel like the the, the the groin shot obviously meant he got a point deducted in his fight against Brandon Moreno. And let me tell you something. Brandon Moreno is going to push him, push him hard in their rematch. But I feel like I've seen enough of Davison Figueredo in 2020 to realize that he is the real deal at this weight class at 125 pounds. And if anything, and if nothing else... I think coming back and turning things around after three weeks, fighting someone of Brandon Moreno's capabilities has given him a lot of lot to think about. And it, I think that will only do him good moving forward. He will re- reassess his strategy in terms of how he can perform better. We saw what he did round two against Joseph Benavides. So let's see what he does round two against Brandon Moreno. But yeah, the... Um, what's his uh, nickname? The, um, the God of War. The, the God of War. I think the God of War is going to reign supreme in 2021. Well, here's the thing, right? I've got Davison Figueredo written down on my list. But I'm not going to turn around and say he's going to go through the year without losing. I think that flyweight division is super competitive. I think there is every possibility that he could get beat by Brandon Moreno. I think Cody Garbrandt could go in there and potentially knock him out. But what I do also think is that you give him two, two bites of the cherry. We've seen it. Give him two bites of the cherry. I think if he did lose the belt, 
and he ended up with a rematch, there's every chance he would win the rematch. I think he's he's one of those fighters. He is still getting better. He's explosive. He's great on the ground. He's great on the feet. He's got the gas tank to go all five. So will he go unbeaten through 2021? I'm not going to say that he is, but I am going to say whether it be plain sailing or a bit of a roller coaster, Davison Figueredo will end 2021 as the undisputed UFC flyweight champion. So that'd be, uh, I think it's going to be a fun year watching watching him and the fellow 125ers uh, go at it in the uh, in the octagon. And if we're talking about exciting weight classes, Sandu, arguably the UFC bantamweight division is where it's at, right? I think strength and depth, it always used to be the lightweight division everyone looked at, and it still is. But I think bantamweight is right there alongside it for, in terms of depth of talent, uh, the best weight class in the UFC. Who ends 2021 with the bantamweight strap? And still, I'm going with Piotr Jan. I mean, you talk about talent, Simon. Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sandhagen. Hey, Cody Gab- Garbrandt may go to 125, but even at 135, he's still a player. Frankie Edgar, we'll, he's still, still around there. Rob Font making some waves. Jose Aldo, we just saw recently, we've I feel like has finally figured out and got his weight management under control. And it was the best Jose Aldo we've seen in years. So yeah, bantamweight is absolutely booming. But for me, Piotr Jan, this guy, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see him compete a little bit more uh, over the course of 2020. But I feel like when he comes back, he's in his prime. He's at the peak of his powers. And uh, I feel like the, the Russian is going to end the year still the UFC bantamweight champion. He wants to be a busy man in 2021. He said he wants to fight at least three times in 2021. So um, hopefully we get to see that. Um, of course, it's, it's tricky when you're the champion, isn't it? You know, saying you want to fight three times in 2021. Will they all be title defences? You know, it's such a it's such a tough weight class. There's so many good fighters in the division. We've already done our hot takes. This one, I guess, could fall a little bit into the hot take hot take realm. My UFC bantamweight champion on June, sorry, June, January the 1st, 2022, goes by the name of Henry Cejudo. I think Mr. Cejudo... Wow. I think Mr. Cejudo is missing not being in the octagon. I think Mr. Cejudo is absolutely gagging to get back in the cage. And I think that Mr. Cejudo is the best equipped fighter to dethrone Peter Yan. I think there are other great fighters in the division, but I think Henry Cejudo is the guy to get it done. I think uh, I think he could go in there. We've got TJ Dillashaw knocking about the place as well. Don't don't rule him out as well. Um, but I think, I think Henry Cejudo might come back, uh, fight at 35, and uh, capture himself, capture, you know, become a two-time champion. He's, he's been a two-belt champion, now become a two-time champion. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him back in a cage before the end of the year. And I also wouldn't be surprised to see him finish the year with a shiny gold belt over his shoulder and telling everyone to bend the knee again. So he's my bantamweight champ for 2021. Nice one. I like it. So at featherweight, I'm sticking with Anstil one more time. Going to stick with Alexander Volkanovsky. But again, another incredible weight class. We're going to see what Calvin Qatar can do against Matt Holloway in, what, 10, 11 days from right now as we record this podcast. We've seen Matt Holloway get two cracks at the title now or get two cracks at Volkanovsky, and it hasn't panned out in his favor. Volkanovsky's got his number, in my opinion. Although you could obviously argue that the second one was probably, you know, uh, a little bit controversial on that side of things. But... 
let's put Max Holloway aside. Let's see if Calvin can talk and break through and uh, and get that win over Holloway and you know vibe for a championship. Him aside though, Brian Ortega is right there waiting for an opportunity. Zabit Magomed Sharapov is still there. We haven't seen him c- compete in quite some time. The list goes on and on and on. Chan Sung Jung, Josh, you know, Josh Emmett, Jeremy Stevens, even fellow Brit Arnold Allen. Those are all the guys that are going to be trying to get a couple of wins. And all of a sudden, maybe at the back end of 2021, they're going to fight for the title. I just feel though, Alexander Volkanovsky is the perfect package. He's the he's got like the perfect um, like body physique. Um, he doesn't cut too much weight to to make 145. It's the perfect weight class for him. And in terms of all of his attributes, his speed, technique, um, striking ability, he's got he's got everything. And I and I don't see uh, too many chinks in his armor. We've seen him also go the full 25, and so we know he's got the gas tank to go the full five rounds as well. So for me, I know there's a lot of competition in that weight class, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a new champion crowned at featherweight. But for me. I'm going to stick with Alexander Volkanovski of 2021. Yeah, I I really agonised over this one because it's such a it's such a tight division. You know, there are so many fighters that are all at such a good elite level, and you could you could sort of really sort of perm any number of title fights out of this, and you could you could they're almost 50 50 fights. You know, I think Volkanovski being the established champion and having really settled himself in is going to make him a pretty tough tough champion to shift. I genuinely think the man who is most likely to do it and the guy who I think will do it is Max Holloway. I really do. He's going wow. to have he's going to have to beat Calvin Cater um and I think that's going to be no mean feat. But if he beats Calvin Cater then he's got himself a whole year basically to get himself set to face Alexander Volkanovsky and if he fights Volkanovsky in the back end of 2021 Gives himself plenty of time to prep, get himself ready. I think Holloway arguably beat Volkanovski the second time around. It was a super close fight. Um, and I think with a few small tweaks and adjustments and just really putting his putting the pedal to the metal a little bit earlier in that in, in, in the fight, he can get it done. Um, he's not going to earn that title shot straight away. He's going to have to beat Kata and maybe beat one more. Um, he might have to beat someone like Zabit or someone like that or a Korean zombie, or someone, in order to get himself in there. But I think uh, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be it's going to be Max Bless Holloway. So uh, I'm all aboard the Blessed Express for 2021. I think we'll see him come back an even better fighter, and uh, he'll regain that title by the end of the year. There's my, there's my featherweight pick. One path to that potential um, prediction, Simon, is it looks like all signs are pointed towards us getting a Brian Ortega... Alexander Volkanovsky fight next and if that is what comes through to fruition and Brian Ortega does win it's an easy layup for the UFC to make that rematch I was in attendance for that fight in Toronto where Max Holloway put on an absolute striking clinic and and, and that fight produced some of the most gruesome you know shots of Brian Ortega's face all bloodied and bruised and beaten up and swollen. Um, and I feel like stylistically, Max Holloway has Brian Ortega's number. So if things work out that way, that could be a, a fast path and a fast track straight to a UFC championship. If, however, he can get past Calvin Cater next weekend. Now, lightweight. Here's the one I think that could be the most fun in terms of predictions because it looks like you know Khabib isn't going to compete anymore. It looks like the, the 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 championship is going to be vacated sooner rather than later. 
it doesn't look like it's going to be vacated in time to make the Poirier McGregor fight for the strap. So who will be the champion at 155 pounds by the end of the year? For me, 2021 is going to be the return of the Mac. It's going to be the return of Conor McGregor. I feel like Conor McGregor is the best lightweight on earth not named Khabib Nurmagomedov. And if Khabib isn't in play anymore moving forward in this division, even if he was to come back and it would be perhaps for a super fight against GSP or something like that, if Khabib isn't involved at 155 pounds, I feel like Conor ends the year as the champion. Maybe that's a bit of a hot take, but I feel like it all starts with the performance over Dustin Poirier where I'm picking him to win. And I think after that, he has to fight for the title next. And I just feel like everything that I've seen from Connor on social media um, seems to indicate his, his mind is in the right place. Physically, he looks the best he's ever looked. Um, and he's kind of gone back to that bald-headed look again. You, see, you know, that, that cage warrior's look. Seems to be like seems to me like he means business um he wants that season this year compared to last year he didn't get it done last year the season last year all led to getting back to that gold so for me conor mcgregor's gonna end the year ufc lightweight champion and something about it again this is the most competitive shark tank division in the sport but mcgregor when he's on fire is the best in the world i agree i agree he's my pick as well um and there were so many directions I could have gone with this. You know, I mean, there's there's the Justin Gaethje coming back and uh, just putting putting a hurting on everybody. There's Michael Chandler exploding into the UFC lightweight division and taking names all the way to the belt. But I couldn't pull the trigger on anybody but Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor has been there, seen it, done it, got the t-shirt, everything, and he's he's been he's been much, much better than most of the people he's fought. It's only really been, it's only really been Khabib where he's looked genuinely outgunned. Like he fought, he fought Nick Diaz, sorry, Nate, Nate Diaz at 196, got caught and got submitted. Um, And then he came back in the rematch and those two had an absolutely brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, But McGregor had half a step on, on, on Nate Diaz throughout that whole fight. Um, I think, I think the only one who's really, really given McGregor serious problems is Khabib. And I think McGregor's been away for a while. And the one thing you can say about Conor McGregor is when he comes back, he always looks like he's improved. He always looks a little bit better, whether it's physically, whether he's sharpened up his technique or, or you know, whatever it is. He always seems to come back looking better. Um, he never looks like he's regressed. And um, I think we're going to see an absolute monster uh of a year from Conor McGregor in 2021. I think he may well end up being the fighter of the year in 2021, and he will be the UFC lightweight champion by the year's end. He's my pick. And then we move over to welterweight. The Nigerian nightmare is going to continue to be problem for everyone in this weight class, Simon. I mean, we saw what a one-sided performance he put on against Jorge Mazadal. We saw what he did to Colby Covington. I mean, you, you know, I think Gilbert Burns is probably stylistically the, the 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 toughest problem for him if he if they end up fighting. And even as much as I'd love to see Leon Edwards get the business done, 
I just don't know if he'll have what it takes um, in a five-round fight against Kamaru Usman. The other outlier in this whole situation is Kam um, Hamza Shimaev, right? If he has anything close to the kind of year he had in 2020. But for the time being, again, picking someone who's in their prime just seems to be so mentally tough, doesn't let anything affect him. When it comes down to perform, he puts it on his opponents. So for me, Kamaru Usman is going to end the year as a UFC welterweight champion. Yeah, he he, I I nearly picked him, I nearly picked him, um, because he's he's all, he he looks kind of bulletproof, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's he's got that, he's got a very he's got a rock solid temperament. He he goes into his fight super well prepared. He doesn't do stupid stupid things inside the cage. He he fights to his game plan. He sticks to the game plan. You don't see anything outlandish from him. He does what he needs to do, and he dominates people when he wins fights. Um, I do think Leon Edwards can beat him, though. I, I genuinely think Leon Edwards can beat him. Um, and I, 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 I submit my pick with a, a pretty hefty caveat. One of two things could happen with Leon Edwards in 2021. Either he's going to get the opportunities he deserves, and he's going to get a title shot, and he's going to win it. Or he just isn't going to get the opportunities and we may end up seeing him leave the UFC and potentially going to Bellator to join his brother. I think it could be a kind of an all or nothing situation, an all or nothing year for Leon Edwards in the UFC in 2021. I think, I think if it isn't going to happen for him this year, I wonder if it ever will. Um, so I really hope for his sake that he's able to get in the cage and compete because he's been denied that for, well, for almost a calendar year, isn't he? He was due to compete in March uh, last year had that taken away from him when the pandemic arrived and has never been in the cage since so we need to see him back in there if he gets through Hamzat Shumayev and I expect him to do so he has to fight for the belt next so the opportunity will be there if he gets past Hamzat so um, and I just think that the only thing that counts against him in my book is the lack of uh, activity but then again Kamara Usman hasn't exactly been racking up the fights either he's had a, he's had a couple and they've been pretty pretty hardcore five rounders so um i don't know I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pick leon edwards to finish the year with a belt i think he'll become the second second british fighter to uh to capture ufc championship gold and it'll be nothing less than the man deserves after an absolute absolute pig of a year in 2020 that's very interesting with regards to who you think and who i think would give kamar usman the biggest problem because obviously, like I said, I think it's Gilbert Burns. And the reason I think that is obviously just given that the year that Gilbert Burns had and the performances we've seen he's capable of. But more importantly, he's the one guy in that top 10 of the welterweight rankings right now that used to be a training partner of Kamaru Usman. Who knows Kamaru Usman better than Gilbert Burns? So it's very interesting where you and me both come from in terms of who we think would give him the biggest uh, problem. But yeah, that's another weight class, Simon. That's just an absolute shark tank. Nothing but killers. The next one, though, middleweight, I think, from the men's side of things, probably the easiest pick. Israel Adesanya and still UFC middleweight champion for a few different reasons. Number one, we know that's not going to be his next title defense. We know that he's going to fight Jan Blahovic. I believe it's in March in, uh, at some point. So already, already we know Q1... He's going to fight a light heavyweight. I, I expect him to win. And then from there, let's see what happens. Does he drop back down to middleweight? 
Is it a super fight with John Jones? If he only ends up defending the middleweight championship the one time in 2021, regardless of the outcome of his you know fights at 205 and beyond, who is he going to fight? Robert Whittaker? We saw how that went last time. Paolo Costa? We saw how that went last time. And then when you look down the list, the Jared Cannoneers, the Darren Tills, the Marvin Vittori's, I'm picking Adesanya all day, twice on Sunday. The guy is absolutely flawless in his performances. He's mentally strong. He's undefeated. At middleweight, there's not a guy I'm picking to beat Israel Adesanya. So that was an easy one for me, Simon. Style bender and still. Yeah, yeah. And looking down the list of contenders, you know, we just talked about a Brit potentially challenging for the title at welterweight in 2021. It's not out of the it's not out of the realm of possibility that Darren Till could get himself a title shot if things work out in terms of schedule. Because uh, as you said, Israel Adesanya's immediate business doesn't lie at 185 pounds. And if John Jones shows an interest, then it could be a couple of fights before we see Adesanya defending his belt. And that might not be till like October, November, December time. So um, we might see an interim title. Um, now we're not picking interim champions on this list, but... I wouldn't be surprised if we had an interim champion at 185 pounds, depending on how things pan out uh, for for the Starbender in uh, in 2021. But yeah, I think I think it would be a bit of a stretch. I think to back against him at this point, you know, Darren Till I think would be a really interesting matchup. But Israel Adesanya is 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 for me pound for pound top two or three in the UFC right now, and. Um, you know he's outstanding, and he's only getting better. So um, yeah, he's he 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 absolute lock, absolute lock for me at 185 pounds, and still no problem whatsoever. And then we go to light heavyweight, which is another interesting one to give a prediction for. Now I think Adesanya beats Jan Blahovic, so I'm predicting him to become a two weight champion this year. Will he end the year also the light heavyweight champion? I'm saying yes. And the reason I'm saying yes is because I don't think we're going to see John Jones fight at light heavyweight, at least in 2021. I'm not saying he'll never fight at 205 pounds ever again. I just don't feel like it's going to happen in 2021. I feel like everything is pointing towards him competing at heavyweight this year. So with that being said, even an Adesanya Jones super fight, uh, maybe that would be a heavyweight or would that maybe be at a, a, a catchweight? Or maybe, who knows, maybe if John Jones loses an, an, uh, an opportunity for the for the heavyweight title and Adesanya is the light heavyweight champion, that's what brings him back down again. But for right now, looking at the lay of the land, I'm picking Stylebender to end the year, not only as middleweight champion, but also to end 2021 as a light heavyweight champion. Yeah, this is, this is where it all gets a little bit interesting, isn't it? I mean, I... I referred to this uh, without without sort of giving the game away. I referred to this in my medium take earlier on on our on our Nando's inspired hot takes list, um, where I, I referred to the fact that I think Israel Adesanya will dethrone Jan Blahovic for the light heavyweight belt, and I also said that John Jones would put his heavyweight plans on hold to come down or remain at two o five and fight Adesanya for the belt. What I didn't say in that take is who would win. And that is for good reason, because I was going to mention it here. I think John Jones wins. I think John Jones beats Israel Adesanya at 205 pounds. Um, and uh, 
with that said, that means that John Jones ends 2021. Perhaps unlikely in you know in terms of how how to, how to, how his uh, trajectory is 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 going right now. I'll, I think he's going to end the year with that light heavyweight belt uh, back around his waist again, even if it's only for a, a short period of time. I think uh, the Adesanya Jones fight, if that's on the table for him and there's championship gold on the line, it makes all the sense in the world for him to take that fight. Um, he's never he's never legitimately lost a light heavyweight. He's never lost a light heavyweight title fight. Um, and uh, what a statement that would be to uh, to just say, hang on a minute, heavyweight division. Let me just deal with uh, this unbeaten two division champion who's who's been calling me out for the last eighteen months. Go back down there, uh, hand out Asanya his first his first loss, take the belt back, then vacate it. And move back up to heavyweight and uh, take on Francis Ngannou for the belt at some point in 2022. So, uh, yeah, my light heavyweight pick, John Jones to end the year as light heavyweight champ. Or to win the belt and vacate it before the end of the year. And there'd be a vacant title at the end of the year. So, the next one. It's the daddy, Simon. It's the baddest man on the planet championship. It's the UFC heavyweight championship. And I alluded to it earlier on in my hot takes, but for me, it's John Jones. John Jones, I feel like when he steps up to heavyweight, whether it's Stipe, whether it's Francis Ngannou, in both those scenarios and both those potential fights, I'm picking John Jones to win. We know typically, though, heavyweight championships don't get defended too often. So I feel like if and when John Jones competes and, and fights for that heavyweight strap, which maybe could be sometime in the summer, maybe that could fall into the uh, the autumn when he wins it that that'll be it he won't i don't think there'll be enough time in the year just given how the schedule potentially um you know works its way out where he'll get a, a first offense in there I, I feel like john jones is only going to compete once this year uh, I, I hate to see him only compete once this year but again if he's waiting for the outcome of a steve francis fight i think that'll delay when he's next uh, back in action in the octagon. So yeah, for me, given the circumstances that is laid out there, John Jones is going to end the year as a UFC heavyweight champion. This is interesting because we both have, I think we both have a very similar opinion of John Jones as a fighter. I think where we slightly differ is in is in how his career trajectory is going to pan out over the next 12 months. It's really interesting because I, I think that John Jones is going to end the year with a belt, but I don't think it will be the heavyweight belt. I think... I think he'll end with the light heavyweight belt, as I said earlier. Um, and uh, I don't, I just don't, I can't see him beating Francis Ngannou. I know that sounds utterly crazy, given John Jones's record and ability. But Francis Ngannou, I mean, for, for me, for John Jones to beat Francis Ngannou, he needs to not get touched. He needs to, because Francis Ngannou has taken on bigger, stronger, more established heavyweights, and he's knocking them out inside a minute. Like this is not someone you can, you can, uh, you can sort of stand on the outside and sort of look to time your moment. Francis Ngannou will hit you with something out of nowhere, and then next thing you know, you're in, you know, you're on a, you're on a stretcher. So, I just, I think as good as John Jones is. I think, and I, I would back him to beat almost any other heavyweight in uh, in in the UFC. I just think that Francis Ngannou, having gone through that learning process against Stipe Miocic the first time round, where he was too raw, where he was perhaps a little bit too overconfident 
in his in his hands um and perhaps not prepared enough um he's been working at extreme couture pretty much throughout 2020 with Eric Nixick and you can bet his takedown defense is immeasurably better than it was when he fought Stipe Miocic for the belt um I think Francis Ngannou is going to be a big bad scary man in 2021 and I think he's going to win the belt and uh, I don't see anybody, including John Jones, taking it off him. So Francis Ngannou ends the year as the UFC heavyweight champion. And that does it for the men's side of things, Simon. Now, I feel like on the women's side, this might be a little bit easier and a little bit more straightforward. But I feel like the most competitive one might be where we kick things off. right? And that's at the strawweight side of things. I'm going to stick with Zhang Weili. I feel like, you know, I think the UFC are thinking about maybe having her fight. Um, they obviously, they'd love to make uh, the, the Rose and Eunice fight happen uh, at some point this year. It looks like if she doesn't take the fight, Carla Esparza might be in there. Who wouldn't want to see a rematch with Yana Young Jacek? But in my mind, as I kind of play out all of these potential scenarios, I just don't see Zhang Weili losing. I think the only one that can push her to the absolute limit is is Joanna Young Jacek, just given the fact that she's got the experience of going 25 minutes with her the first time around in one of the, the greatest fights of all time. But I feel like Zhang would have also learned so much from that situation and that experience of fighting someone of the caliber of Joanna Young Jacek. So for me, I'm going to stick with Young Weili as the, the UFC strawweight champion by the end of the year. Yeah, I think for me, this is a relatively straightforward pick. I think uh, I think she proved to be just a little bit a little bit too good for Joanna first time around. Joanna could come back and give her give her a, a superb a superb challenge second time around, and I hope we get to see that rematch in twenty twenty one because you know one of the great female fights of all time. So um, I think I think that's a matchup that would be absolutely brilliant to have uh, on one of the bigger cards in twenty twenty one. I can't back against Zhang Weili. I, th- I just think I just think you know she's she's still improving. She's still getting better, and I think. We're only beginning to scratch the surface of how good she is. So for me, yeah, no problem at all. And still, Zhang Wei Li hangs on to that 115-pound belt, no problem whatsoever. I would expect we'd probably see her two or three times this year as well. I hope so. That'd be great. And then moving forward, Simon, I'm just going to reel this off very, very quickly because I don't think there's much debate for the other champions. Flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko. Bantamweight, Amanda Nunes. Featherweight, Amanda Nunes. I feel like the only competitive fight between 125 to 145 pounds is if we see one more time Valentina Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes at bantamweight. I feel like that would, you know, given the, the experience of the previous fights and where Shevchenko is now, I feel like she'd be able to push Amanda Nunes a little bit more at 135 pounds. But I, outside of that, I mean, I feel like, let's just start with featherweight. I feel like Megan Anderson, if there was a legitimate featherweight division, I feel like Megan Anderson still needs one or two more fights to round out her skill set and her experience before stepping up to fight someone of the caliber of an Amanda Nunes. And because there isn't a legitimate division there to work with, she's kind of been fast-tracked into that position. So that's an easy one for me. I'm picking Amanda Nunes there. And then when you look at Bantamweight, I mean, who is there in that list that Amanda Nunes hasn't beaten, in some cases, twice? (laughs) <laughs> right so that's an easy one and you know in terms of flyweight i mean valentina shishenko she just she marks the competition 
you know, even the, the performance against Jennifer Meyer, I think a lot of us thought she would finish that fight. She ended up going the distance. But I feel like even that did her the world of good to make sure that she knows in herself that the gas tank is there should she, should, should, should she have to go 25 minutes at some point down the road again. So for me, Simon, 125, 135, 145, it's and still, and still, and still. This is, this is, we're kind of in Demetrius Johnson territory here with these, with these weight classes where the champions are just so dominant that it's really hard to see where the next, well, I mean, it's easy to find that, you know, the next challenger, there will always be a next challenger, but you want a challenger that's going to really make you sit up and take notes and go, okay, this isn't a foregone conclusion. This is, this is, this is a serious, serious test. And I think Amanda Nunes has smoked pretty much everybody with the exception of Valentina Shevchenko, who she had to really work hard to beat. Um, Valentina Shevchenko in her own natural weight class is head and shoulders above everybody. Um, so the only thing I can see, there's only two, there's only two scenarios that I can imagine playing out that would go against your predictions. One of them is that Amanda Nunes decides that now she's got a family, you know, she's, uh, she's got a, um, a baby now that her and Nina are going to be looking after and, and, and bringing up, um, that maybe she doesn't want to compete in two weight classes anymore. Um, and the, as you say, there is really not much of a division at 145 pounds. If Amanda Nunes decided, do you know what? I'm just going to go and compete at 35. Um, that's where the interesting fights are. Um, there isn't much for me at 145. I'm going to, I'm going to just step down. That could mean not just the fact that there is, you know, no Amanda Nunes holding the belt at 45, that might be the end of the 145 pound division in the UFC for the women because who else is there? You know, we've got Megan Anderson, um, you've got Felicia Spencer, but that's about it. You know, there's really not a lot else. So I I, I can kind of see that happening. I toyed with the idea of saying that Amanda Nunes would, would do that, but actually would stay at 45 and abandon the, 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 the 35 belt because it would be easier on her. She wouldn't have to go through what is quite a punishing weight cut. But the complete lack of options in terms of fights at 145 kind of makes that a non-starter. So unless Amanda Nunes decides that she's going to, you know, she's going to knock it on the head and and uh, and just stick to bantamweight, I don't see how anything else is going to change. Um, the only person I think who can beat Amanda Nunes who is in the UFC right now is Valentina Shevchenko. Um, but I don't know whether she will. I think if you, if, if you were betting, setting betting lines on that fight, Amanda Nunes would be the betting favorite. The only other fight that is of any interest really is Kayla Harrison. And Kayla Harrison isn't going to be in the UFC until 2022 at the earliest. So, you know, I think, uh, I think it's going to be and still, and still, and still assuming that the featherweight division sticks around for the whole calendar year. So yeah, the women's division is pretty easy. And I feel like the, the featherweight division will stick around because I feel like it's an easy, you know, opportunity for the UFC to to have Amanda Nunes as a champion fight once a year, maybe maybe twice a year. They can always find an opponent for her. But I feel like just again looking at the future, ideally they want to bring in Kayla Harrison, and whether that's just another opponent for Amanda Nunes to beat, or whether that's perhaps the future. Uh, and someone that they can build that division around moving forward. 
that obviously remains to be seen. But I feel like there's enough, just enough out there for that division to stick around for the foreseeable future. But that's it, Simon. There you go. There's our hot takes and our wild predictions. We should actually try and um, make a note of all of this and, and revisit things at, at our uh, year-end show this year round. I should burn it. Burn it. <laughs> Delete all mention of it from the internet. All credibility will be gone. No, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see, especially some of those hot takes. Yeah. I I don't think that we'll get through 2021 without at least one of those things partly happening. I think something something we've we've thrown into the mix there, I think is gonna is gonna is gonna take place in 2021, and that and it will be one of the biggest stories of the year for sure. There is so much that could happen in the next 12 months, so it's gonna be a lot of fun covering it. I tell you what, we'll do, Simon. We'll look back at the results of our hot takes by the end of the year. And whoever gets the most, the, the loser has to buy the other a Nando's the next time we're in person in a city or a town or country that actually has a Nando's. How about that? That sounds good. Well, hopefully we'll be allowed to actually internationally travel again by then. That'd be nice. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, no, I'm up for that. I'm up, I, we can we can bet on Nando's on this. This is, this is all good. But um, So yeah, there we go. First show of 2021 little bit different, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I don't think we'll be chucking hot takes in every week, but you never know. We might start grading some of these events. I don't know. We need to do something, I think. I kind of, I, I kind of like the idea, but um, it's going to be a fun year. We've got, obviously, there's a whole load of challenges ahead of us, uh, you know, in terms of dealing with COVID, in terms of everything else that's going on in the world right now. But what seems, thankfully, to be uh, to be relatively relatively consistent is the fact that these events are going ahead. They're going ahead uh, and they're well run. They're, they're relatively safe or as safe as they can be. And uh, the fighters are going in there and, and doing doing the business. And, we, you know, it's great to be able to cover this sport. You know, some people sometimes look down their noses at MMA, but they've really shown the way in 2020. And uh, I think we're in for a big year. Hopefully this is the year where we start to finally get to grips with the pandemic. And then we just... You know, everything just gradually starts to get better, you know, starts to uptick through the year. And hopefully by the end of the year, we're talking about arena shows with with, with fans in place and talking about a real journey of of, uh, of recovery for the sport in uh, in 2021. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Big stars coming back, big fights in prospect. And uh, we'll bring we'll bring you our take on it all every week on the Brit Pack. Sandu. What's the uh, what's the SP? What's 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 the situation? What does everybody need to know? Right. So, Twitter at the Britpack MMA. If you want to follow Simon, it's at Simon Head on Twitter, at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. If you want to follow me, it's at Sandu MMA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But the big plug is the show. Now, you can go to thebritpack.com. You can go to uh, Britpack.substack.com, but where we really want you to go is to our YouTube channel. You can find the links in our bios and on the Britpack uh, website and social handles. But the Britpack on YouTube is the big project this year. Now, right now, in its current um, state, it's audio only, but there's a reason for that. The show eventually, at some point this year, hopefully sooner rather than later, will go to video. That's what we're doing this year. This is going to be a video show primarily, but we'd love to get your support early on. So early doors, get there, subscribe to the Brit Pack on YouTube because sooner rather than later, this will be video and it won't be just a show. 
we're going to bring you some pretty cool content this year. There you go. There's the plug sign. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So, and uh, the easy the easy thing to do is just go to the BritPatMMA.com because that just gives you a, a a complete a complete list of everything you need to know. So, um, and you can you can then fire off to whatever platform you like to uh, you like to use to consume the podcast. But yeah, video next year or video this year, and uh, it's going to be fun. And the benefit of you guys jumping on early and hitting the subscribe button is that once we get to a certain threshold, it allows us to brand up the channel a little bit better. It allows us to do more stuff with YouTube. Um, and uh, it means that you're already on board, ready for when we actually flick the switch and uh, we've got video. So if you can hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell icon, you'll get a you'll get a notification to your email every time we publish a show on there. Everything's good. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, kicking this thing into uh, into a high gear in 2021. That was our, our first show of the new year. And uh, next week, we'll be back to looking forward to fights. UFC getting back into uh, back into the swing of things. So we'll be uh, we'll be previewing the upcoming action uh, on UFC Fight Island. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next few weeks. Some huge fights. Obviously, Conor McGregor uh, towards the end of the month as well. So uh, yeah, enjoy the next few days. If you're stuck at home in the UK like I am, uh, try not to go too stir crazy. Send me your Netflix, Amazon Prime Video um, recommendations because we're all stuck in this thing together. And uh, we'll be back to, uh, to preview the fights on next week's show. Have a good one. We'll speak to you soon.